looking up to God, fixing our eyes on Him, means looking into His Word. And it also means looking to Jesus Christ, uh, the ultimate expression and revelation of God. And last week we ended with a challenge, and that was to be committed to gathering together with this church family. If this is your church home, if this is where you've decided to, to put down roots and camp out, then it's important for us to be together in order to study God's Word, to better understand His will and His character, and in order for us to worship. And so I said in 2018, our challenge is to be devoted to regularly getting together so that we can look up. But you know, sometimes when we come together, we want to stay together. You know, we want to we want to hide out here with each other. We want to abide in this holy huddle. We don't want to go back out into the world. Don't make me go back out into the world. And who could blame us? Because have you seen the world lately? All of the dangers and the pitfalls and the immorality, we want to protect ourselves from all of that junk. We want to protect our children from that stuff. And so when we come together, as important as it is, we want to stay together. We don't want to go back out into the world. And we can think of many faith-based groups who throughout history in a desire to protect themselves from the ways of the world have withdrawn into reclusiveness. They have pulled away from society, removed themselves from culture. When I was in high school in church in Chattanooga, Lauren and I grew up at the same congregation where her father was a minister. We were blessed, as our young people are here, with a very healthy, active youth program. And Lauren and I were a part of that, and we loved our youth group, and God blessed us with wonderful Christian friends. Now, we were not perfect, and mistakes were made in the middle school and high school years, but we stuck together, and we grew in our faith, and most of our friends in church are still faithful Christians today. And I give credit to our parents and our church family and our youth group for that. And, and of course, to our Father God. But there was something that I struggled with um, as I think about my time in the youth group. Not only as a teenager did I struggle with acne and insecurity, but I also struggled with the desire to keep the gospel to myself. Because our youth group was was just so good, and I thought the group was perfect as it was. I didn't want to share what we had with anybody else. I didn't want to mess up a good thing by bringing somebody else in. I didn't want to disrupt this special thing that we had by possibly, you know, inviting someone else to join us who might mess up this good thing. And in so doing, I missed the very essence of the Christian faith. And all of this that I have described thus far, this desire for us just to stick together and to hide out in our holy huddle, this misses something that is foundational to the Christian faith. And we will get to that momentarily. When Jesus came on the scene, as the Gospels revealed to us, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first few pages of 
all the Gospels, when Jesus came on the scene, he had a very clear mission. And I want to look in uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 to begin. And I've got these verses up on the screen. We see the beginning of Jesus' ministry on the earth, which occurred a little over 2,000 years ago. After John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the central content of the message that Jesus began proclaiming in villages all throughout Galilee and Judea. He's declaring the good news of God. That's what the word gospel means. He says the time has arrived, the kingdom is coming, the rule and the reign of God is at hand. So you need to turn from your evil ways and you need to believe in the good news that I'm preaching. That was Jesus' message during his ministry, during his time on the earth. And he knew that he needed help in fulfilling that mission. So he began calling disciples. We see in Mark chapter 1. Uh, verses 16 through 20, he was passing along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and Simon's brother Andrew, and they were fishermen, and they were doing their duties. They were on the clock, and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately those two brothers, they dropped their nets, and they began following Jesus. And a little bit later, Jesus sees two other fishermen, Two brothers, two more brothers, James and John, and they're out fishing with their father Zebedee and some other hired hands. And Jesus says to them what he said to Simon and Andrew, follow me. And they drop their nets, and they leave Daddy behind and follow after Jesus. A few verses later, Jesus calls not a fisherman, but a tax collector named Levi. He says, follow me. And immediately, Levi gets up and follows him. Jesus is assembling a team who would help him accomplish, accomplish his mission. He is drawing to himself followers, disciples. But he also knew that he needed a specially appointed group who could oversee the mission after he was gone. And in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, we read that Jesus went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. And it is that last phrase in verse 14 that I want us to hone in on. Because I know that the apostles, the twelve selected men that Jesus called, they had special abilities and powers that God worked through them that he doesn't give to us, and they played a special role that we do not share. But the contours of their calling are the same for us today. Jesus says he called them so that they might come together and be together and be with him in order that he might send them out. And today, that is the same for us. We come together as the apostles did so that we can be sent out. And this is the central message of our sermon today. Looking up was last week. Growing together is next week. Reaching out is today. And we declare from the scriptures that the reason we come together, 
is so that God can then send us out. We gather to worship and study. We gather to look up and fix our eyes on Christ. The purpose of that is so that we can be inspired, encouraged, equipped, so that God can give us the strength that we need to go back out, not to, not to stay here, not to hide out in our holy huddle, but so that God can send us back out We've got a job to do because he's given us a purpose to fulfill because we've got a mission. The early church, as we read about in the book of Acts, was together all the time. A lot of times I hear Christian writers and speakers and leaders say, uh, it's just not reasonable for us to ask of our churches today to be together three times a week four times a week, maybe in times past that worked, and people were willing to get together that often. But now, you can't expect that from people. People are too busy. They're not going to come to church Sunday morning for Bible class, Sunday morning for worship, Sunday night for worship, and Wednesday night for Bible class, and maybe another gathering. You just can't expect that from people anymore. The early church was together every single day. The author of Acts tells us that day by day they got together before the ties were severed with Judaism. They were in the temple. They were in homes, breaking bread, worshiping God daily. And why was that so? Well, they enjoyed getting together, and they understood the importance of worship and study and fellowship. But the main reason that they got together is because they knew they needed an extra helping of strength to then go back out and extend the message of God to the world. They needed the encouragement that could only come from gathering together with God's people and receiving the power from God's spirit from worship and study so that they could then go out and fulfill their mission. And that is why we come together today, as often as we do. Following Jesus doesn't draw us into reclusiveness. It doesn't lead us to withdrawing into the world. It drives us back out into the world. We charge back out into the world after we come here to recharge our batteries. Following Jesus propels us into a lost and dying world with the only message that can make a difference and save souls. Reaching out, and this is what I missed when I was in high school. Reaching out is the essence of our faith. The church exists for the benefit of those who are not yet here, seated in our pews, joining their voices in song, joining us in prayer and in acts of service. We are the only organization on the face of this earth that exists for those who are not yet members. This is the essence of our faith. God wants to use us as extensions of his ministry. And he wants his words planted in our heads so that it can move to our hearts and as our speaker said yesterday extend to our hands that is why we come together so that God can send us out now reaching out with the message of the kingdom it often begins with acts of kindness and generosity and, and benevolence and charity in Jesus name helping the hurting loving on the lonely feeding the hungry caring for the poor, Jesus says, 
any cup of cold water given in my name, that person will not lose their reward. Anything small is big in the eyes of God and in his kingdom. And as I look out on this crowd today, I see Christians who take kingdom work very seriously. And I see people who, behind the scenes, in quiet, subtle ways, are serving others, are visiting the sick, taking care of widows, providing food to people uh, who are in need. And a lot of these things you're doing, and, and, and you're not, you know, you're not shouting this from the rooftops. You don't want anybody to know, but almost every week I hear about one of you doing something good for somebody else. And, and it's not because you're involved in an official ministry of this church. It's just because you're a Christian, and you're trying to fulfill the mission of Christ. And you're not doing it to gain attention for yourself. I just happen to hear about it, and I'm always inspired and encouraged when I do. Listen, that is kingdom work. And don't let anybody tell you that that's not kingdom work. Your labor is not in vain. You are making a difference by serving in the name of Jesus Christ, no matter how small your gesture or or your effort or your act of kindness is. You are doing kingdom work. In the years immediately following the Civil War, the southern states suffered terrible poverty. This is the era of Reconstruction, as the history books call it. And it was also a time that inspired great generosity, especially among Christians. In 1867, just two years after the war's end, J.K. Rogers, a Christian, the principal of the Christian Female College at Columbia, Missouri, and he wrote a letter to David Lipscomb, who at that time was the editor of the highly influential publication, The Gospel Advocate, out of Nashville, Tennessee. And he said to Brother Lipscomb, I still have in my hands an amount of money for the South. Had I better send Bibles or bread? And David Lipscomb, a Southerner himself, who, as many of you know, know, grew up just right down the highway in the Old Salem community. His parents, charter members of the Old Salem Church of Christ, that still to this day meet in the old meeting house where the pulpit is the pulpit from which David Lipscomb delivered his first sermon. But I digress. I could talk about history for a while. Some of you are not into that. I kind of am. A southerner himself, a Franklin Countyan, David Lipscomb wrote a reply that appeared that he published on the pages of the Gospel Advocate. And I want you to listen to what he said to the brother in Missouri. He said, as highly as we appreciate the Bible and its necessity for the temporal and spiritual well-being of man, a loaf of bread today in the name of Christ would do more in opening hearts to hearts of our southern people to the reception of the gospel than any number of Bibles, tracts, or preachers. Listen to this. Send bread now, brethren, and afterward the Bible and the preacher. Send the bread first, then the Bible and the preacher. The bread will feed the stomach, and when the stomach is fed, then the soul will be open to receiving the gospel. And we see Jesus' ministry We see how he operated in a similar way. He often fed stomachs alongside souls, sometimes before. He recognized that 
the way to a man's spirit was through his stomach, and that by meeting physical needs, you could then open the door to meeting spiritual needs. The brethren send the bread, and afterward the Bible and the preaching begins. However, and I think Brother Lipscomb would agree, that all our reaching out should eventually lead to showing people how they themselves can enter the kingdom. It often begins with acts of kindness and generosity, but that is not where it ought to end. It ought to end with proclaiming the gospel, with sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 16, at verses 15 and 16, which is our text for the day, Jesus gives to his apostles, the 11 remaining, what is called the Great Commission. He sends them out. Now, he had already sent them out in a limited way back in chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. This is kind of a practice run. He sends them out two by two to preach the message of repentance in various villages. But now this is the big one. That was the limited commission. This is the Great Commission. And this is a mission that we share. This mission that he gives to the apostles before he ascends into heaven. He says, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. When we serve others, that is kingdom work. Make no mistake about it. But there is no amount of good deeds that can save a soul. Only the hearing of the gospel message and the obedience to that message can do that. That is true in both cases. So while our kingdom efforts must begin with meeting people's needs and serving the community at kindness, at some point we've got to get around to sharing the message of Jesus with folks because it is only that message that can bring about salvation of the soul, that can only bring about entrance into the kingdom. Now, as we think about reaching out today, I want to say to you that I am more excited about the outreach efforts of this church right now than I, than I have ever been. As I think about the ministries and the missionaries that we are supporting with our funds and with our prayers, I get really excited because we are supporting some people through whom God is working in mighty ways. I'm thinking of a man who preaches the gospel all over the United States, who has baptized hundreds. Uh, as a result of God's work through him, many have come and been restored. I'm thinking of our brother Keith Martin, and I'm so happy that this church can be the sponsoring congregation for his work, and I'm excited that he's going to be here in February, his first visit with us since this was announced. I know he'll, you know, he's always jazzed up when he's here, but maybe even more so this time because we will be able to welcome him and Sandra and Keith and their whole family into this family. Because this is their church family now. And I just couldn't be more excited about that. I think about a young couple, homegrown in this area, serving a healthy, fast-growing church in Cusco, Peru. It seems like every time I get on Facebook, I follow the work of this group of missionaries. There is a new native Peruvian who's decided to give his or her life to Jesus Christ. And they've got them going down into the waters of that makeshift baptistry and coming back up. 
the church is growing. God is adding to that church day by day, as he did in the first century. I think about a couple dedicated for 30 years to multiplying ministries and planting churches in Brazil, Randy and Kathy Wood. Randy here not long ago to give us a report about the exciting work that all of the ministries are doing in Brazil, the ones who have been trained by the Bible college that she helps to lead. 30 years they've been serving in Recife, Brazil. And then I think about a church in Scotland on the cusp of building a new meeting house because they out, they're busting at the seams at the old one, and they have secured a piece of land that would seem impossible by human means. Only by God's power and guidance have they been able to get this piece of land on which they plan to build a brand new building, which they pray will promote even more growth in Scotland. So all over the U.S. and in Brazil and Peru and Scotland, these are extensions of our ministry. These are, are held up by the funds that we provide and the prayers that we pray. And I'm thankful for the outreach efforts that our congregation supports. But we have to constantly remind ourselves that outreach is not something that we just outsource to the church. And we are not off the hook only by providing funds to support missionaries in foreign lands, even in our own country. Let us not deceive ourselves into thinking that because we put a check or dollars in the collection plate each week, that that satisfies the command for us to reach out. It does not. It's part of it, but it's not the whole picture. It is our job, it is my job, it is your job to extend the message every Christian's job to reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ to people in your community, to people that we're loving and serving. I have been thinking about the ways that I've come up short in this effort. And one of my goals in 2018, just personally speaking, is to conduct more small group and one-on-one Bible studies so as to bring about the salvation of one soul. Now, I know the sermon has a place, and I'm grateful for the privilege and the blessing and the responsibility to be able to preach each week. And I don't pretend like, you know, and sometimes God uses one sermon to, to prick a heart and to change a life and to provoke a response in the gospel. But more often than not, preaching has a cumulative effect, and I, I try to remind myself of that, that it, it is in the week-in, week-out proclaiming of God's Word before the congregation that brings about maturity and transformation. The sermon, the pulpit has its place. But I think in order to see more baptisms, opening my Bible with somebody one-on-one or in a small group so that there can be a dialogue, so that there can be questions asked, so that there can be a conversation had. That's a goal for me. I think it ought to be a goal for all of us. We ought to be maturing to the point that we are comfortable in talking about the gospel with our friends, our family members, as our speaker said yesterday, 
We don't need notes. We don't need prompts for talking about the things that we are passionate about. We are passionate about the message of Jesus Christ. And it should come naturally to us to have these types of gospel Christ-centered conversations with people we care about. That's a goal that I have for this year. I want to be involved in more Bible studies and hope and in prayer that they bring about more souls being saved. Are you a living extension of God's mission? Is God using you to complete His purpose? Are you allowing God's Word to make you, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.17, competent, equipped for every good work? Are you seeking to evangelize? Are you reaching out with arms You know, reaching out begins with the belief that Christianity can save the world. Reaching out begins with the belief that what we believe, the Christian faith, can save the world. I have said in so many words before, I am not a gospel preacher because I believe the Bible has some good advice. And the Bible gives some good tips for living a better life. And the Bible provides us with a way to better relate to I am a gospel preacher because this book contains good news. This book is good news, not just good advice. And the message of the gospel, the message of God's holy word, can literally save the world. And I'm wondering if we believe that. If we don't believe that, we're not going to reach out. And if we're not reaching don't really believe that there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we get together, when we gather in order to look up and to look into God's word, we have seen the glory of the Savior and the eternal kingdom that he's establishing, and we shouldn't be able to keep that message to ourselves. The early church was not able to keep that message to herself. And just like Jeremiah in whom God's word was, was burning so hot, he said, I cannot keep it in. I cannot contain it. That should be us with the message of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus had raised from the dead, and he encounters Mary Magdalene, who upon recognition that this was her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, apparently embraces him in a firm so excited that he's alive, that he was victorious over the grave as he said that he would be. And Jesus says something very interesting to her as she's hugging him, as she's got him in a bear bear hug. He says, do not cling to me. Do not cling to me because you've got a job to do. You've got to go and proclaim to the other brothers and sisters that I am about to Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Do not cling to me. I know you want to cling to me and to the way things used to be. I know you want to hide out in your, in your holy huddle. I know you want to be protected from the ways of the world, but we have come together so that we can then be sent out to fulfill our mission. We don't stay together. We come together in order to be 
equipped and encouraged to accomplish our mission Go do your job. Reach out. Be my hands and feet to the world. Don't be like me in high school. There's always another Peter somewhere around. The kingdom is going to close this side of eternity. The doors of the church are always open. And we ought to be seeking people who to whom we can declare the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a seat at the table for you if you have not been obedient to the gospel. If you have not had the courage to walk in obedience to the gospel. We want to invite you to come. struggling with clay and spiritually or otherwise, reach out and encourage them. This is the kingdom of God. We want to be part of that. Make them.